Looking to fast forward your practice goals? Commonwealth Financial Network can help you evolve your business by providing entrepreneurial capital, affiliation flexibility, and tailored business strategies. Everything you need to put your practice into the fast lane. Welcome to a better path to success. Welcome to Commonwealth. To learn more, visit Commonwealth.com. Commonwealth Financial Network is a member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Hi, I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Welcome to my podcast, Focused on the Future, Keys to Building a Profitable, Sustainable, and Impactful Business. And I am excited to be partnering with WealthManagement.com on this. This series will focus on what firms need to embrace to ensure their growth and success for the future. And you'll hear from industry leaders and advisors on what is working for them. The content is directed at firms that are already successful and looking to stay that way, and also for those who are focused on taking their firms to that next level. I have a great lineup of guests in store, and today I'm talking with Luis Rosa. Luis is a financial advisor and the founder of Build a Better Financial Future, an RIA he started in 2020 that focuses on helping clients with financial planning, investment management, tax preparation, and planning. So welcome, Luis. Thank you so much for being here today, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Thank you very much, Suzanne. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Oh, well, thank you. We have a lot of stuff to get into. So I'm going to jump right into it. One key constant that I hear when talking to so many marketing experts is the importance of authenticity when it comes to communicating out your message and your value proposition. And I love how personal and casual in a good way your about us section on your website is. You tell your personal story and why you became a planner. So can you share that story with us today? And how has that super authentic way you communicate what you and your firm can do for people translated into real business? Yeah, thank you for, for doing a deep dive on the About Us page. <laughs> uh, I put a lot of thought into it. Uh, and you're right. A, a lot of people, usually when they're going to work with an advisor, they, they want to work with someone that they they like and trust, but also more importantly, I think someone that makes them feel comfortable because a lot of the times they're going to be divulging stuff that they probably haven't even told maybe even their therapist or their, their significant other or spouse. Right. So you want to feel comfortable as a client to be able to be your authentic self. So if I, as the advisor portray myself like, Hey, I've made mistakes too. You know, one of the things I mentioned on my website is how I got into credit card debt in college because I didn't know any better. I, I went to buy books and the applications were there. And it was like, hey, here's your your free t-shirt and a credit card application, right? So I talk about those things because I want people to know, hey, it's okay if you're not where you want to be. That's the entire point of being here. And I want you to not feel like you need to have all the answers or that you made a mistake or that you're dumb for some reason, like you didn't make smart choices. So that that's where that came from. And I think that uh, translating it to business, it then when people read my about me page, they, they already come with their guard down and they feel more comfortable in the initial call. And then they know it's, it's a real person that's there, not just someone looking to look at me like as an account number, you know, they really care about what I'm going through because they've gone through some stuff themselves and they're willing to share it. Yeah, I love that you share the mistakes that you've made and that kind of one of those 
some of those are some of the reasons that you became a planner. And you also share about your background, where you came from. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because again, what you what you said to start out is people want to feel that they can identify and trust the person that they're going to be divulging some really like confidential and sometimes, as you said, therapeutic things that they need to release about their money and money anxiety and maybe some embarrassing mistakes, as you mentioned. So can you talk a little bit about how you decided to become an advisor and also that uh, you share a little bit about your journey? Absolutely. Thank you. So I was originally born in Dominican Republic and I came to the U.S. at age 11. And as an immigrant, my parents, uh, they didn't really know the United States financial system. All they knew to do was work hard. They worked in factories and places like that. So they never had a job that actually had any type of benefits offered, like 401ks, anything like that. So they really didn't know. They didn't even know English, right? So their main goal for us was to come to the U.S., get an education and do better than they did. You know, my parents didn't even finish uh, eighth grade in Dominican Republic. So they, they pushed us. They said, you know, we're going to put a roof over your head, food on the table, and then everything else is up to you. I want you to go to school, work hard. But then I noticed that when I went to college, for example, and it was time for me to fill out the, the FAFSA form to fill out for financial aid, like my parents couldn't help me with that. Not only because they didn't know English, just they just didn't know anything financial either. Like even as basic as it may seem, just putting information from tax returns and whatnot. And I remember that when I started getting older and getting jobs, I didn't know what a 401k was. I didn't know about life insurance, what a mutual fund is. I mean, very simple stuff. Like I couldn't tell you what a stock was versus a bond. And I noticed that there were a lot of people in my community that had the same issue because they were also first generation. And I call them now first generation wealth creators like myself. I love that. It, <laughs> so never had the financial background at home. I also didn't learn it in school. So then you, you're in this void as the consumer because then you end up where you just don't know what you don't know. And unfortunately, the way that the traditional model in our industry has been built is the relationship typically starts with assets under management. But if you don't have any assets to manage just yet, then you're probably going to end up missing out on the advice that you need from like a true financial planner, because sometimes you might end up just being sold some sort of product as a result, right? As opposed to getting a financial plan. So that's what I noticed. And that's what inspired me to ultimately lead to the road where I launched my own firm to work with people like myself who perhaps don't have half a million dollars yet, but they're making good money. They need advice and they can afford to pay financial planning fees. And, you know, to the theme of the podcast, it, it's still a very profitable and sustainable way of doing business. And, and if you're doing financial planning right, the asses will come anyway. I love that. And we, we've talked about this a couple times on this episode is just the different models, the different pricing models and how the irony is that sometimes the people that need financial advice the most are the ones that don't have access to it. And the only way to change that is to change up some of the um, traditional ways of thinking of assets under management. Even if you have some clients that are operating with an assets under management pricing model versus a financial planning fees, something like that, if you truly want to make a difference in, to, in someone's life, 
it's it's providing this advice that is so valuable to people that really, really need it. So I love that your whole business is built on that. It's it's pretty impressive, Luis. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love AUM, too. So it's not like I'm against it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you have to make a living, right? Yeah. But there's, there's also, you know, again, this theme that keeps resonating and keeps coming up in all of these episodes, which is making a difference, leaving an impact, doing something for the greater good. And uh, I, you know, I'm very proud that that is a theme that keeps coming up on the guests that I have. So again, thank you for, for sharing a little bit about your story. And also I think it'll inspire others that are looking to either get into this industry or think about how they change their model to serve their communities. Um, so speaking of that, right, as investor demographics are changing in this country pretty rapidly, right? What advice do you have for other advisors on how to capture the in, their interest and loyalty as clients? Because it is different. It is changing. So what are you doing at your firm and what are you seeing that, you know, the client of the future is going to want from an advisor? Yeah, that is a great point because we've seen a lot of changes, especially with technology. And, you know, some people were worried, like when the robot advisors first came out, now we have artificial intelligence, right? I mean, there's so much information out there. I feel like if a client wants to invest their money, they can do so very quickly and easily online, right? It, and get a, a model portfolio build probably within seconds, right? So I think we have to lead with financial planning first uh, and not put ourselves out there, which is something I realized a couple of years ago where... I didn't want my value proposition to be directly tied to a return on an investment because, you know, obviously we're going to do risk tolerance, et cetera, and, and put the client in a proper portfolio, but ultimately we can't control the outcome of that. Right. So I thought to myself, why am I selling myself that way? Like, oh, I can invest your money for you. And, and now I take the focus away from investment management. That's just one of the things that I offer as part of the overall financial planning. So I find that a lot of clients need a lot of hand-holding and they need someone who is going to be uh, someone they can call to kind of be uh, someone that can give them the space to maybe think through a decision. You know, So it's not your traditional financial planning in the sense of like, oh, let me just put everything in a financial planning software and spit out some sort of report. It's more like it, things like, hey, I uh, we we're running out of space. We're having another baby and we own a home. We're thinking of adding an additional dwelling unit in the back, or should we sell and buy something bigger? Can you help us with that, right? And and these are the kinds of the, the questions that I get all the time. And then we have to run numbers and see what it would look like to refinance versus sell and buy a new house, right? So these kinds of things, uh, I have clients that have lost jobs because they worked in tech. And, and uh, you know, there's a client of mine that I had three jobs in one year, you know, <laughs> because tech, you know, during the tech, uh, um, layoffs, right? It was happening very often. And then you have to walk to, to the client with all those things, right? So it's not about, oh, invest your money in a 401k or an HSA. This is real life decision. Hey, what do I do now? I'm getting four months of severance and so on, right? And you got to help them with all these different things. So I, I think the client of the future wants some handholding, someone they can use as a uh, as someone that can just help them walk through decisions, you know, and then obviously you'll do the other traditional financial planning along with that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think like more and more advisors are starting to realize that 
you know, the investment management piece is the is the commodity and everything else is the actual major value that you can provide. And I think even too with couples, they sometimes want a third party to help them assess a situation, right? So really, you mentioned therapist in the beginning, but really being that like financial therapist at times as well, right? Yeah, there's a behavioral component. And I'm glad that the CFP board has added that to the curriculum. Whether we like it or not, yeah, sometimes we are going to wear that hat as an advisor. And I'm glad you bring that up because it, I do get a lot of couples that sometimes are not on the same page. And then you have to be impartial, hear them both out, and then give your opinion as to maybe how they can find some common ground. You know, so that that comes with the job. So we, we need to do more training on on that side, too, on the behavioral side. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I know Dr. Preston Cherry does a lot in the behavioral finance side. You're seeing more and more articles around that, the importance of it. So I think that's a real evolution in our business, just understanding the money motivators of someone, their, what they come to the table with, how they assess money from their childhood. And all of that goes into the equation when an advisor needs to there's a, there's a lot of um, predetermined uh, attitude about money before you even talk to them, right? So finding that out, that behavioral finance component, I think is is a great call out about what the 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 advisor of the future needs to be aware of when they're advising clients. Yeah, you know, I have a short story if you don't mind. I can yes, uh, I love share stories. with you. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, just digging back to to that behavioral piece, th- there are some behaviors and attitudes that people have about money that were probably shaped when they were younger, you know, and it carries on to their adult life and it it basically impacts the decisions going forward. And we need to be able to understand all those things because sometimes the, you know, the, the best answer is not going to be the textbook answer because we need to take into account people's values and backgrounds and beliefs. Right. So one of my stories is this is one of my sister's. She told me this recently, uh, which I didn't know, you know. So apparently she she's my oldest sister, right? So she she had a, a very um like her foot size was pretty uh, above average in Dominican Republic growing up to the point where she was very limited into the shoes that she can get. Right. Okay. So she told me that when she was younger, uh, she knew people that traveled either to the US or Puerto Rico. So she would tell them, Hey, like, can you bring me back some shoes? You know, I'll, I'll give you the money. Here's my style that I like and so on. So apparently she was really limited in what she can buy because of the size of her feet. Right. So she's like today, she still hasn't been able to like shake that, the feeling of I need to buy shoes. And, and you know, so it's like it carries with her where she just has like all these shoes that she knows she doesn't need, but it makes her feel good that here in the U.S., she could just go and buy her size, right? And, you know, to me, that was just so interesting because there's so many things like that, very little things they just carry um, <laughs> that impacts decisions, you know? It, and sometimes people might be like, hey, why are you buying all these shoes? You know, so as a financial advisor, I might be like, you got to stop buying shoes, right? Because that, <laughs> that's the the initial textbook reaction. But then you need to take that into account and see where that came from first, right? In order to then help change the behavior. Like, hey, you're okay. You, you're here now. You know, you have enough reserves. You, you don't need to have a hundred pair of shoes. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, that is like, that's actually like a kind of a funny example, but that that is so true. And I know even with my husband and I, when we met with our advisor, 
she uncovered things about his childhood around money and uncovered things about mine as well that I would not have probably known if if she didn't ask those questions. So I think that's a really, really important piece. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And I have clients that have gone through similar situations and they both react differently to it. So yeah. one would be like uh, growing up, I didn't have much. So now that I do work and have enough, I don't want to go without. And and that translates into buying the latest car, the latest iPhone, the bigger house all the time. Right. And sometimes living paycheck to paycheck as a result, because they're like, I don't want to live how I lived when I was younger. And then some people went through the same exact scenario. They didn't have much. And they're like, I don't want to be like my parents, you know, and then they save, they go the other route. And and sometimes to the point where they don't even enjoy themselves because all they focus on is just building this nest egg. Right. So it's very important for us as advisors to understand, you know, ask probing questions, very open ended and just listen so that you know where the people are coming from, because it's not a cookie cutter approach. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Such an important piece for the advisors, not just in the future, but now, right, to really have that sustainable business. So, you know, one thing that I talk a lot about on this podcast are like programs and initiatives that really work in attracting more talent into the profession, especially diverse talent. And establishing internships at your firm are one of those ways to do that. But you went a step further. You co-founded the BLX Internship Program. So I'd love for you to, to tell our audience a little bit about that and also discuss a little bit about the results that you're having from that program. Yeah, so it started in 2020. It was uh, four of us, Sean Tedlaska, Emily Mouse, Mattingly, Chloe Moore, and myself. So all of us at the time were all fee-only advisors, all XYPN members at the time and NAPFA members and firm owners. And, you know, in 2020, after the murder of George Floyd, there was a lot of attention from people and companies that were they just wanted to help, right? There was a lot of movement in that direction. So we wanted to figure out a way that we can help people get in the industry. And what we did was initially we thought, hey, why don't we just each take on an intern and then reach out to our colleagues and see if they want to take on an intern, you know, and we had no experience with an internship program before or anything. <laughs> so it started just grassroots, right? And then eventually we ended up making the program a, a 501c3 organization and it became an entire thing now. So we have an internal team that actually does the matching. So when interns apply and firms apply, this team, it's uh, Suzanne Lawrence um, of Advisor Business Solutions. She basically, they take all the resumes, they interview every single candidate, they interview every firm to see what the firms are looking for. And it's very robust matching program internally. So ultimately, with the goal of placing every intern that applies, which we haven't been able to do because it's just uh, overwhelmingly amount of interest, not as many firms, something that we're hoping to change in the future. Wait, but so just pause there for one second. So you're saying that there are more black interns that are looking for for placement internships into, and it's only fee only financial planning firms. And there's not enough firms that have internships available. That is correct. That's been our experience. Uh, it's been three years now. So our last cohort, we had over 200 applicants. Um, <laughs> usually, I would say 
about a third of those are definitely like great candidates that meet all the criteria that a firm will be looking for. Yeah, most of the time we do not have enough firms. You know, some firms have hired their intern from the past year, so they they don't participate the next year because it might be smaller and they already met their hiring requirements. Um, but one of the things that we actually changed this year is we were broadening it up to go beyond fee only uh, because ultimately we decided, hey, you know, we want to bring in more people, have more opportunities in the industry. Not everyone's fee only. Just because you're not fee only doesn't mean you're a bad advisor, right? So right. there's great planners out there that happen to be hybrid uh, or they yep. sell insurance or annuities or whatever. So we we decided to expand the program this year to financial planning focused firms, um, not regardless of their fee model, right? So we're hoping that that opens up the door to a lot more firms participating because we just have such an overwhelmingly large amount of applicants compared to the amount of people that get placed. You know, okay, so-, so hopefully this podcast between me sharing, you sharing, yes. management.com sharing, uh, Commonwealth, who's the sponsor sharing, we hopefully will get the word out because, you know, it's it's almost crazy to think like um, so many firms I know are 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 desperate to find talented people to come work with them. And yet you've got a backlog of people looking for the opportunities. So we need to make that connection. Yeah, I I would love that. We hear it very often that firms don't know where to get talent. Um, but now we're like, hey, here's the pipeline for you, you know? So the the words, we invented a word, we called the Latin X. So it was like black <laughs> and Latin X together. And then we just shortened it and made it just a VLX internship program. Uh, so I wanted to tell you a little bit of the the criteria for both firms and and students or career changes. So if you are a firm looking to hire an intern, uh, initially was fee-only firms. Now it's just financial planning focused firm. We ask that you pay the intern a minimum of $20 per hour for at least 15 hours a week for a period of eight to 12 weeks during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also that they're not all administrative so that you know, they get exposure to actual financial planning so they can sit in on client meetings, maybe take notes and and work on the back end with the advisor so that they're not just doing like, you know, we, we don't want people to go into the industry and like cold call and and, uh, yeah. and start selling products, right? Uh, only, right? So we wanted to get true exposure to financial planning. And then on the intern side, uh, it we try to make it so that it's not a huge barrier to entry, right? So we ask that the, if you're a student, you have to have a 3.0 GPA and you have to identify as Black or Latinx and have a genuine interest in financial planning. You know, So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a CFP certificate or have gone through the training, but at least show that you are interested in the industry one way or another. Uh, and that could be demonstrated in various ways, like even having listened to podcasts or done another internship in the past or, or anything like that, you know, but most of the time, a lot of the students are already coming through some sort of program that is a, a CFP board program, or they have a, a relevant background in some way. Okay. And then we also open it up to career changes. We found that this has been an untapped resource that yeah. firms can use. A lot of people have a lot of transferable skills, but they may not necessarily have the traditional criteria to meet an entry level position, you know. So I always tell firms like you can teach someone the tech, right? Like it's if they already work for 10 years in the in somewhere else and they have all these skills that they can bring to your firm, 
we highly recommend that you consider that. You know, and and one of the the greatest feedbacks we've gotten are people that came from other industries that have gotten hired. Uh, so it, it's a really untapped resource that we like to make firms aware of as well. Yeah, I think that, um, again, just there are these resources between your internship program. I had Hannah Moron talking about the externship. She's got a significant amount of career changers. I was on a call yesterday. In fact, I'm going to have this guy on um, the podcast uh, in a few episodes from now. He's, uh, I guess, out of college, about three years, black gentleman from uh, Michigan. He was, he just, uh, he just received a scholarship to get his CFP. He was working at a bank in the wealth management area, didn't have a great experience, quite frankly, and is now an insurance adjuster and is desperate to come work and be mentored by a financial planning firm. And he's having a hard time connecting and getting hired. So, you know, if there's some kind of a disconnect here in our industry, I don't know what the solution is, but I hope by having guests like Hannah and yourself and him, we can connect with some of the some of the large firms out there and even the smaller firms that are hiring to say like hire on potential, not on experience, right? Yeah. And, you know, I love that. Yeah. Because that is the recurrent story that I hear. So many people have been trying to get a, my first job for three years. I've done this. I've done that. You know, and Hannah, Hannah's program is amazing. One of the things that we do actually is because not everyone gets placed, we offer scholarships to the externship. So for those that unfortunately don't get placed, say, hey, listen, here's another resource. We're, we're going to pay for you to attend the externship. So at least you get some exposure. You get That's to learn, great. you get some credits towards the CFP certification if you're working towards that. We also are very focused on a lot of education. So this year we started a cohort where we're doing the SIE training and all the students get a scholarship as well to attend the, the SIE training for free and the exam. So even if they don't get placed, we're still helping them get closer and closer to that first job. I I love that. I It's so inspiring that you guys came together through a tragic event, um, a terrible event, but something that came out of it is going to really leave a legacy and make an impact on the industry. And and I applaud you and and all of the other co-founders for starting something like this. Now the industry needs to show up and actually yes. hire the people that you're um, serving to them on a platter, right? So Preach. we need to figure this out. It's, it's insane to me. What are... What are the interns that are part of your program? What what are they looking for in an employer? Like, do they give you any idea of what they want? I mean, I I I mentioned this gentleman that I talked to yesterday. When I asked him, he said, "I just want someone to teach me. I want somebody to take me under their wing. I just want to learn." That like broke my heart. I was like, "My gosh!" Like you know, versus I want you know work from home. I want you know us. Uh, mobile phone. I want this. I want this. Like this guy just wanted someone to take an interest in him. That was it. Yeah. And, and we see that a lot too. It goes beyond just getting your foot in the door. People want that mentorship aspect, like you were mentioning. We find that the people that stay in the industry are the ones that were given the opportunity, but then were also given the support throughout their initial phase of their career because so many people come in and then if they don't get the mentorship and they're just left to 
you know, swim on their own, they're they're likely to leave the industry and become something else altogether, right? So the mentorship portion is something that is so critical that I, I find it to be something that uh, ultimately we want to offer a, a formal mentorship aspect. But in the meantime, I tell people to reach out to like the CFP board. They have a mentorship program. The FPA does as well. And then take advantage of that because there's a lot of people do, that still want to volunteer their time as advisors to give back. So even if they're not your employer per se, there are still advisors out there that want to give back and mentor someone. And I, I find that. that that's, yeah, that's what really people are looking for is that, that, that support so that they can learn. Yeah. One resource that maybe we can create a link um, for this episode. I work with um, the financial Alliance for racial equity um, where it's a consortium of firms led by nationwide and others um, that are putting together best practices around internships, creating an internship and creating mentorship programs. And they're they're doing these mentorship circles. And um, so we're going to have some resources for firms to rely on so that they don't have to like go it on in their own, just like what are some best practices. So uh, that, that'll be available too. I love um, it. Yeah, yeah. So, so important. Um, so from your perspective, what are some key considerations in addition to the things that we've already talked about, right, that are critical for firms and advisors in, in achieving success as our industry and the people it continues to serve evolve? Yeah, I would say, you know, I love the, you know, just the whole focus of the podcast, right? Just focus on the future try to be proactive instead of reactive. You know, I think that as you see things evolve, you have to evolve as well in order to remain profitable and sustainable. And I like the the fact that you also focus on impact. I think that if you focus on the impact you will have, which is one of the things that a lot of the interns that have come through the program notice is like, wow, like I see how impactful this career can be. They, they see it, right? Cause they get to sit in client meetings. If you're being impactful, like the profitability will follow. Like it, it's just a matter of time, right? So if you lead with that, with empathy and doing right by people and not just looking at them as an account, right? Uh, which I don't think that people listening to this podcast would anyway, right? They're, they're probably going to be focused on on being impactful anyway. But I, I feel like that's that's what I would say. It's kind of focus on on that client of the future that that needs that actual help and you can grow with them over time you know and then the fee structure can be designed to accommodate those that don't have a ton of money but yet your firm can still be profitable at the same time so no you know we don't want you to be all pro bono either (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly i mean you're seeing more and more of the reasons that people come into this profession the reasons they stay is really about leaving an impact giving back to their community making a difference in people's lives that it's really like a major shift over the last 20 years about why you come into this industry as a, like come into this as from a profession standpoint. It's yeah. really lovely. And I, I feel like that story needs to be told more. Definitely. You know, when I get a prospect, I, nobody ever, I have a questionnaire on my website that they fill out very brief so that I have a little background as to who they are before we speak. And nobody ever asks for a comprehensive financial plan, you know, (laughs) Uh, or they don't reach out for like, oh, I I want you to, you know, uh, optimize my portfolio or whatever. Like 
it, so there's usually a reason they're searching for an advisor you know, and it goes beyond investment management. And, and I, I think that's going to be the key for the future is being the human advisor first and then serving those clients with that in mind, just that, that empathy, open-mindedness, and you'll have impact. And then everything else, you just continue to come, right? The profitability, the assets. <laughs> yeah. I think just making that part of your overall business strategy, value proposition, that's I think that's the sustainable part. Like that's what's going to make your business last and be future proof. Yeah. Um, and one thing I'm also a big believer of, uh, which, and this has been years in the making for me, but is doing something very specific for a very specific group of people. I think that that is very important. Uh, you can still thrive as a generalist in this business. But if you look at other industries like doctors and lawyers, right, most of them have uh, something that they focus on specifically right uh, they, they don't, you don't have a general lawyer uh, even though you do have primary care physicians but for the most part they're specialists and i think that that's where our industry is headed and i think that it's a beautiful thing because you no longer need to do everything for everyone and i think you'll probably be better focused in your business get better at it if you just do that one thing for a very specific group of people whatever that is so in my case, right, I identify with first-generation wealth creators, so I'm going to work with people like myself who are the first ones in their families to graduate college and and start making money, right? And and I know what they're going through, right? So yours could be something else, but I think that that is key for, for me. That's the advice I would give other advisors to kind of figure out whatever that focus will be in their practices. What an important point. I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I had Mark Tiversion on a few episodes ago, and he wrote in his book, Practice Made Perfect, you know, niche practices tend to grow three times faster than generalists. And it's true. It's also much easier to market when you have a very specific niche, whether it's a skill set or whether it's a particular area of the investor population that you have a passion for serving or you have a specialty in. I think that's great, great advice. Like, wonderful. So I can't believe it, but we are at our last question here. This time has just flown by. And I always ask the same last question to every guest. So with the title and the theme of the podcast focused on the future, keys to building a profitable, sustainable, and impactful business in mind, what is your last line? What key takeaway do you want to leave our audience with? Yeah, this is something I've been thinking about for myself is thinking about what do you want your business to be like, uh, basically in terms of impact and also in terms of your lifestyle too. You know, in my case, I'm I'm a solopreneur, but a lot of the times, you know, you think about how because I'm a solopreneur, I wear so many hats, right? And I'm basically the bookkeeper and, and the compliance officer, right? The marketer. So I ask advisors to kind of think about what it is that they want their business to provide, because then you can work backwards from there and say, okay, here's what I see myself in 10 years, right? What what do you do with a smile in your face? What are you doing with a smile in your face five years from now? You know, and, and focus on doing more of that today. What a great last line and just very introspective and, you know, taking taking the um, time to sit back and really think about what matters to you. So I absolutely love that. 
I think that's great advice and a great last line. Thank you so much for being my guest today. You are such a fantastic role model and are really doing important things for the future of our profession. So thank you for all you're doing and all the great advice that you shared with us today. I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Thanks for listening. And I hope this episode leaves you feeling even more excited to be focused on the future. Looking to fast forward your practice goals? Commonwealth Financial Network can help you evolve your business by providing entrepreneurial capital, affiliation flexibility, and tailored business strategies, everything you need to put your practice into the fast lane. Welcome to a better path to success. Welcome to Commonwealth. To learn more, visit Commonwealth.com. Commonwealth Financial Network is a member of FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor.